Chatters. I'm Nat. And I'm Kat. And welcome to the Crime Chat Love Edition. Mm-hmm. I am your forensic femme fatale, and Natalie is your true crimatic connoisseur. We're just two girls. We're happy that you're with us this evening, you filthy animal. <laughs> Come join us as we obsess about dark crimes, evil minds, and occasionally the unknown. Here is your disclaimer. The following Crime Chat contains adult content and descriptions of potentially and very likely violent scenarios your listener discretion is advised yes you have been warned and before we get into today's crime chat have you done anything exciting this week i wouldn't necessarily say new but exciting is i got called to testify in a case that i did five years ago i did a, a victim interview in an aggravated assault case that was handed over to the fbi and they're actually i guess going forth in federal court and i found out today that i'm actually going to be subpoenaed for testifying in that case and it's not until april so i'll have to give you guys a a rundown kind of when that happens can you do a crime chat on it maybe we'll see we'll have to wait and see what the actual outcome is. i need the deep all right other than that my husband and i binged watch eight episodes of clickbait from netflix i have not seen that yet is it worth it it's amazing really who's in it the so it's the guy that's in oh crap hold on is he hot yes hbo um series entourage entourage yes the guy who was an entourage. I don't know his name. I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah, so he was, like, the main character. Mm-hmm. He ends up getting killed, and the family and, like, others are, like, really convicting him in public opinion kind of thing. And But did he actually do it? Was he an actual, like, women abuser? And did he kill somebody? Like, the, what, what was the actual outcome from it? It was... The twists and turns, like, are, you have to watch it, like, sequentially. You have to watch it from start to finish. Okay. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, totally worth it. Not sponsored by Netflix by any means. No, but... not yet. <laughs> well, what about you? What's been going on? As far as Netflix is concerned, I've been watched Stay Close. It's a limited series, so it's it's one season, but wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's so scandalous. Yeah, I've heard of it, and it's been recommended by you and a couple others. Yeah, it's a good female protagonist story, like really good. You don't know Ooh. what's up. The last 15 minutes of it, you would not expect crazy good. That, and I guess that's kind of what their mm-hmm. their thing is right now, Netflix then. Yeah. Between the two of them, I guess. Like the, like the last minute, you're just like... Poof mind blown yeah that they're good they're good for that this week i also um i was at the state capitol advocating for the children in my program Mm -hmm. i had a nat episode and i wanted to tell you what happened to me because (laughs) only in natalie's world does this happen I'm, i'm sure other people have done this but it's such a nap move yeah i drove all the way to tallahassee from port charlotte which is six hours get there go Mm -hmm. to across the street from the capitol parked in the parking garage got out of the car walked over did my 12 hours of a day and then going home walking out of the building Mm -hmm. walking to the parking garage i'm like i have no idea where i parked my car and it was seven floors of a parking garage (laughs) 
<laughs> and they had subfloors. So I didn't know if I went down. Oh, oh. my gosh. It's so funny. Because oh, you were just probably so focused on getting yeah. there. And what I had to do for the day. So I went over to the, the attendant and looked like with, you know, like my big eyes going, could you help me? You know, I don't know where I parked my car. And, and he laughed at me. He's like, you're not the only person that does this. It's okay. And he had a golf cart. So we were zooming around the parking garage. Oh, that's great. Oh, okay, good. Well, I got my yeah, car. They, they were, they, you got your car. They helped you out. You found they the did. car. Perfect. Do you remember what you rented? It was white. It was white. It was a white. <laughs> I think it was like a white Ford. I just didn't think of it. I just assumed that, oh, I'll find it later or whatever. And then I looked at the building. I'm like, wow, that's seven stories up. I know they had subfloors. But... <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You poor thing. Thank you, Parking Garage at Tallahassee, Florida. I appreciate Thank you. Thank you for helping Natalie and making it back home so we can get into your story. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear the details of your story today because I think it's so prolific. St. Valentine's Day Massacre, people probably know of it. They probably read about it in history books, but what are the deets? Like, what what's it all about? But like I said, also in previous episodes, we were watching Boardwalk Empire and mm-hmm. it was all about the Roaring Twenties. They had a character with Al Capone in it. I'm obsessed with the Roaring Twenties. Before we get into that, I have a few Valentine's Day tidbits that you might be interested in. Have you ever like searched Valentine's Day stories, like crazy stories that have happened around here? Just for this chat. <laughs> Before this chat, I didn't realize how many crazy things have happened on such a loving holiday. It's a loving holiday, right? Yeah. So as I was going through and kind of getting some of the background and stuff for the intro, right? I read some stories that made me blush, just like just reading them. Them, the amount of detail and things that happen. Like 50 shade blushing? Yes. Or like, really? Like, people put that crap out on the internet and I'm just like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but from 17 and Glamour magazines, you know, the love of your life, how to spoil them on Valentine's Day. You get the stories about the first date fumbles, mm-hmm. uh, getting broken up with or dumped on Valentine's Day, and even some sexy time mm-hmm. adventures that go wrong. Of course. Murder, of course, was also right up there with these tales of true love. But what is Valentine's Day all about, Charlie Brown? Um, And by the way, did you hear about the man who voiced the original Charlie Brown? He just passed away. I don't know who he is. We don't really know like about those kind of things, right? Well, his name was Peter Robbins. He battled long-term bipolar disability with, you know, mental illness. He struggled with addiction. He was in and out of prison for many, many years. Aggravated assault, making threats, that kind of thing. His family reported that he took his own life last week. He was 69 years old, but was only nine when he was the voice of Charlie Brown when Charlie Brown started. Isn't that crazy? I was going to say, 69 is really young Mm -hmm. for Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's been around for a while. Yeah, well, back to National Day of Love and the history. According to Encyclopedia Britannica, Valentine's or St. Valentine's Day is a day when lovers express their affection with greetings and gifts. Given similarities, it has been suggested that the holiday has origins in the Roman festival of Lupercalia, which is held in mid-February. The festival celebrated the coming of spring, and that included fertility rites and the pairing off of women by men with a lottery. (laughs) At the end of the 5th century, Pope 
Galatius I forbid the celebration of Lupercalia and it is sometimes attributed to replacing it with St. Valentine's Day. But the true origin of the holiday is actually really, really vague at best. Valentine's Day did not come to be celebrated as a day of romance until the 14th century. So just that little tidbit is like, wow, mm-hmm. I would think it would have been a lo- around a lot longer than that. But acknowledging it as St. Valentine's Day, yeah, it's only been about, what, six, 700 years, something like that. Although there were several Christian martyrs named Valentine, the day may have taken its name from a priest who was martyred about 270 CE or AD by the Emperor Claudius II. Gothicus. According to the legend, the priest signed a letter, quote, from your Valentine, end quote, to his jailer's daughter, whom he had befriended and, by some accounts, healed from blindness. Other accounts hold that it was St. Valentine of Turney, a bishop for whom the holiday was named, although it is possible that the two saints, the two priests, were actually one person. Oh, okay. Another common legend says that St. Valentine defied the emperor's orders and secretly married couples to spare the husbands from war. It's for this reason that his feast is associated also with love. So if you were, okay, so that means that the husbands wouldn't need to go to war? Right, if they were married. Formal messages or valentines appeared in the 1500s and by the late 1700s commercial printed cards were being used so like cards of showing your affection like your valentines and that kind of thing the commercial valentines in the united states those cards were printed in the mid 1800s it only dates back to then so that's not even really that long ago mm-hmm. valentines commonly depicts cupid who is the roman god of love along with hearts traditionally at the seat of emotion because it was thought that the avian mating season begins in mid-february birds also became a symbol of the day Traditional gifts include candy, flowers, particularly red roses, a symbol of beauty and love. But there are also many instances that aren't so lovey-dovey. The following here are just like a few examples of that I came across when I was looking. The first one, the notorious Oscar Pistorius. Have you heard of him? Does he sound familiar? I, I have not. So he was a South African Olympian level runner who was a double amputee since childhood. So I remember like I can picture him... Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I necessarily knew of him until this incident, but I can see, like, when I hear the name, I think of him and all, like, the B-roll and stuff that they were using with him running with his metal legs. He was inspiring to so many because of his disability until he shot his girlfriend through a door on St. Valentine's Day in 2013. He awoke in the morning, early, early morning of St. Valentine's Day, to find his girlfriend not in bed with him, which they both went to bed together, right? So he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, she's not in bed with me, that's weird and then he heard something in his house instead of assuming that it was his girlfriend who no longer was asleep beside him he thought it was an intruder and he shot four times through a door oh my god into the ensuite bathroom of their bedroom yeah so he ended up killing his girlfriend (laughs) that's ridiculous i mean i go for a bathroom break maybe four times a night seriously (laughs) can you imagine getting up to go pee and then all of a sudden being shot it's just me it's just me (laughs) pistorius uh was sent to five years for culpable homicide but he did appeal that conviction the original verdict was then overturned he was tried again but convicted and sentenced to 13 years for murder oops <laughs> here's another story that actually caught my attention and mainly because of the mo and because no one was ever charged in this case a young in love couple were found tied to a tree 
tortured, and killed. In 1971, 19-year-old Jesse McBain and his 20-year-old girlfriend were out for a walk on St. Valentine's Day. Almost two weeks later, it was 13 days since they were missing. Their fully clothed but mutilated bodies were found in a heavily wooded area in Durham, North Carolina. Evidence showed that they were strangled to death, but not before their killer or killers, because they don't know who was responsible, they continuously tightened and loosened the ropes around their necks as an order to like prolong their death. Oh my God. Causing them to be tortured just continuously until they eventually passed away. Wow. So, I mean, it could have been days that they were actually being tortured. They don't really know, but it was 13 days from the time that they went for a walk to the time that their bodies were discovered. Mm -hmm. And one more quick crazy V-Day story. An adult mentally disabled woman was murdered while her parents were in the other room. On St. Valentine's Day in 2007, Art and Lois Saren went to visit their 39-year-old daughter, Jodine, in her condo. She was mentally disabled but able to live independently. However, her parents would frequently check on her and kind of make sure that she was doing okay. When the Sarens arrived at the condo that night, the lights were all on, but they could not unlock the front door because the chain was latched. After receiving no answer when they called out to her daughter, Art, the dad, busted open the door and then he walked into her darkened bedroom to find his daughter having sex with an unidentified man. Art told the man to get dressed and leave while he and the mom waited in the other room. Several minutes passed, Jodine had not come out to meet her parents, and then the Sarens returned to the bedroom to find Jodine's lifeless nude body lying on the bed. She was beaten and strangled to death. Incredibly, Jodine's killer had been brazen enough to murder her while her parents were still inside the apartment and somehow managed to sneak out before they discovered what had happened. It's also possible the sex between Jodine and her killer was not consensual and her parents unknowingly walked in on her while she was in the midst of being raped. God. DNA evidence was collected at the time from the scene, but it took 11 years to find out who the killer was through genetic genealogy. That's a blast from last episode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> The killer was identified as David Mabrito, who coincidentally killed himself six years ago. Mabrito was 38 years old at the time of Jodine's murder. His suicide occurred shortly before the fourth anniversary of her death. So how sure is the evidence that Mabrito was a killer? One in 64 quintillion. And that's a number with 18 zeros in it. A little stronger than a maybe. Yes, that's a little bit stronger than a maybe. <laughs> so I know that case. Nancy Grace did that case. Oh, she did. Because it's so horrific. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, 39 years old is well into your adulthood, but being mentally ill while being able to live independently, uh, still needing parents, still came and checked on her, made sure she was okay, that kind of thing. Yeah. I just. I didn't realize it was, it, it happened on Valentine's Day. I did not realize that. Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Yeah. So that's just a little quick snippet of things that happen on Valentine's Day. That is crazy. So are you ready for my crime chat? I'm ready. I can't wait to hear all the deets. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a speakeasy? Probably? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to quite a few speakeasies. Uh, I love them. They're very jazzy. Mm -hmm. They're very smoky, discreet. And when you go to one, you know you're going to have a nice, calm, relaxing evening. Yeah. A speakeasy was an establishment which sold illegal alcohol beverages during the prohibition from 1920 to 1932. And I know you know what prohibition is right mm -hmm. oh yeah oh i don't i don't think i told you so chris and i went to the um prohibition museum that's in savannah mm -hmm. and learned like more than i had ever learned 
in school, like what prohibition was? Prohibition was, there was a lot going on legally. However, I mean, let's face it, it was a party. It was. Yeah, the naysayers that are like, alcohol is the devil. The term speak easy, the way a person would come and order a drink. In order to not raise suspicion, bartenders would tell the patrons to be quiet and speak easy. In New York City, we do have a really old speakeasy called the 21 Club. And it's famous and it's got a dark history, but they have not changed it since the 1920s. And when you go in and you ask the hostess, you say, hey, I want to tour the wine room. Because not everybody knows Mm -hmm. to ask for that. They'll take you downstairs and you walk through the kitchen and you go down these steps they are the ceiling is like maybe five feet so you're scrunched down going downstairs into this old brownstone building Mm. and then you walk up to this huge brick wall and there's this little pin that the uh, waiter will give you and he's like here's the key see that little hole in Mm -hmm. the wall and it's a little itty bitty hole in between the bricks stick the key in the hole and you hear the entire wall click and then you (gasps) push the brick wall it's something that uh, when I tell you it's insane you can go online and look at the video of them doing it so cool behind the brick wall is a old-fashioned lock with all the gears mm-hmm. go in first you're gonna hit like aisles of the wine cellars the walls were just lined with wine bottles and you would have wine bottles from elizabeth taylor from ronald reagan mm. once you buy a wine stays there so elizabeth taylor's wine is still there one of her descendants can go there and actually drink wow. it wow you can't buy it and take it with you it stays there Beyond that, there is a literal hole in the wall. And when I say a hole, I mean maybe four feet wide, four feet tall. And people in dresses are crawling into this hole. Wow. And it leads you into this huge boardroom with this enormous oak table. All the walls aligned with wine bottles. Mm -hmm. And there is a booth where Jimmy Walker, the the mayor of New York City at the time of Prohibition, he used to go there to drink. Uh This was the party room. This was the speakeasy. Uh. And it's technically not even in the building. It's not on a map. It's in the other building, in the other brownstone that is attached to it in the basement. But the zoning committee at the time would not report this room, so you can't find it. Oh, wow. Fascinating. If you go to locate the building permit, it's not there. Wow. And there's a there's a story where Jimmy Walker, while he was drinking, he didn't want to be disturbed. The police were about to raid the 21 Club. While he was stuck in the room behind the brick wall, Is he called in and said, hey, police cars, tow them. Wow. Wow. And that's what he did. And he was able to walk out of there. It's really cool. Like, it's real. I love wow. speakeasy. All right. So the United States Prohibition era created quite a mess for the 1920s and the 1930s. The bootlegging trade provided alcohol to the thirsty masses while putting money in the hands of the wrong people, <laughs> basically. Along with music and hidden watering holes, mm-hmm. the Prohibition era also gave birth to mobsters. Yep. Yeah. Modern day Western culture has a thing for romanticizing these crime bosses. They basically are staples in our pop culture and no crime boss was more famous than Al Capone himself. This Scarface, a nickname he hated, by the way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I know. I didn't know that. For my crime chat, we're going to be talking about the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. Have you ever heard of it? Yes. We all heard of it. Oh, yeah. Lots of killing. Oh, yeah. Lots of murder. Lots of lots of killing. Our criminal today is Mr. Al Capone himself. And let's face it, he could hold a grudge. Yep. Just ask those who were murdered in the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where his gang took out seven members of George Bugs Moran's Irish mob on February 14th. 
1929. And by the mm. way, Chatters, I am Irish and Italian. You're torn between two lovers. So Al Capone was the ultimate gangster. He entered the crime world when he was a teen in New York and then moved to Illinois to help run the Chicago outfit. In 1925, the 26-year-old Capone became the mm-hmm. kingpin of bootlegging, prostitution, racketeering, murder, and gambling. That's quite a resume. Oh, yeah. Capone, a.k.a. Scarface, did it all during the Prohibition era, making a fortune along the way. Capone has been immortalized, basically, thanks to noteworthy films, mm-hmm. but the real deal would have made fans think twice before sending their love. As charming as Capone was in front of the camera and to reporters, <laughs> he's believed to have killed enough people to make you sick. And he did it all for power and cash. All of it. Greed. All of it. Yes. I want the power. Being on Capone's bad side wasn't somewhere you wanted to be. And the St. Valentine's Day Massacre is generally believed to be one of the most prime examples of this. The execution-style killings were an attempt by Capone to take care of his longtime rival, George Bugs Moran. Here's how it shook out. Al Capone wasn't exactly known for taking it easy on the opposition. Mm -hmm. According to history, the Capone gang kill count reached as high as 64 murders in a single year. That is a lot. That is a lot. And if my public mass says more than one a week, that's still a lot. A couple, I mean, a couple at a time, every couple weeks. I mean, that'll add up. They were actively killing members in their community. Sure. Al Capone was ruthless and is believed that he was worth roughly $100 And that is in 1920s money. So that would be 15 billion as of today. Billion. Billion. Capone had a couple of business requirements. <laughs> yeah. You want to be in my outfit? You need here's your here's your job application. Well, yeah. Or if you just want to exist in his Chicago, this is basically what you had to do. In his Chicago, yeah. So if you're running a business that includes booze in his territory, pretty much all of Chicago at this time, and you didn't buy his booze, you were dead man literally a dead man you weren't you weren't putting money in his pocket no he got a cut of everything everything Capone sniffed out his competition with his attitude and charisma you remember this like he was very charismatic yes the whole time you're telling the story so far I keep getting these flashes from Boardwalk Empire because it's so fresh in my mind and he was so charismatic like I remember this one scene specifically where they did a news, like a quick news story on him, like movie, like a movie producer, a news, a producer came and talked to him. They did this like little clip of him and he forced all of his little outfit to sit there and watch it over and over and over again. Really? Because he was like eating it up. Look at me. Look at what I do. He was an egomaniac. But why, Kat? Why are men like that sexy? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You know, some girls like the bad boys. Yeah, it's like the baddest. He's the baddest. He's the worst. He had this charismatic attitude. Yeah. If he lived in today's day and age, he would be successful. He would be the kingpin of social media. He would. Oh my God. Total influencer. Yeah. And if you don't like his page. You disappear. You disappear. Bye. But to the fishes. To the fishes. Hey Chatters, Chris here. I finally got the mic from Nat and Cat, and wanted to give a huge shout out to today's sponsors, The Suspicious Squad Shop. Plus let you in on some sweet deals happening at the store with a 15% discount code that I may or may not have acquired from your true crime host. But before we get to that, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor. 
This shop is inspired by none other than the murder, mystery, makeup queen herself, Bailey Sarian. With some true crime fun to top it off. This store was created to support the Suspicious Squad LLC Facebook group, which is a group that encourages and motivates its members of murder, mystery, and makeup fans with a positive environment, where there's also monthly prizes and giveaways. And who don't like a good prize and giveaway? If you're into true crime, makeup, or just a positive atmosphere, be sure to check out the group and the awesome store. Speaking of the store, Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and now's the perfect time to shop for that special someone, husband, wife, friend, family member, or even that person you aren't really sure of, because who don't have a couple of them in their life? There is something for everyone, from your cozy fuzzy socks to love-inspired silverware, from your feet to how you eat. They got you covered. You can even find lingerie and handcuffs, which sadly, I was told, are sold separately. However, they can ship them together because they play well together. With plenty more to offer, don't miss out on the fun. Stop by, check it out at www.facebook.com forward slash the suspicious squad shop. And be sure to use that discount code crime chat. His biggest threat at the time was Bugs Moran. And he was another notorious gangster. And Banyan was uh, Bugs Moran's boss at the time. He would hold the liquor trade in Chicago. And that's where the money was. And that's where Al Capone wanted to be. So when Capone noticed that he was in charge of all this, he basically sent his goons to his flower shop. So Abandon had a flower shop. Oh, Chatters, we need to do an episode on mattress firm. So there's like a big conspiracy on the mattress firm shops that they're mob related. The company? Yeah, because there's so many in such a close distance. Really? Mm-hmm. We have one just around the corner in South Carolina. There are so many cities where if you're driving down the block and you'll see like three mattress firms in a row and people saying it's a way to launder money. Oh, it's a cover company. Oh, that's something you should do. You got that back. Cover company. Okay. I was thinking it was more sexual. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So he sent his goons to the flower shop and basically killed him. So he killed the crime boss. Capone took him out. I remember this on Boardwalk Empire. I remember that specifically. Is it that good? Seriously. It's that good. Yes. Okay. It's I mean, it's five seasons long, so it's it's a it's a good bit, mm-hmm. right? But it's I'm gonna watch it. Okay. I ma- I might watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> so now this one missing link to this crime family shot Moran to the top. So now everybody in that gang looked at Moran to take the lead, and he did where his late friend and employer left off, obviously. But Capone didn't like this either. Of course not. It was competition. He thought he took out the competition, but somebody else yeah. came to rise, came to power. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. As far as mass murders go, St. Valentine's Day Massacre is one of the trickiest, best-crafted slaughters of the Roaring Twenties. Mm. And all was quiet in Bugs Moran's place of operation, the SMC Company Garage, located mm-hmm. on 2122 North Clark Street in Chicago. Chicago. I was just in Chicago. How do you, Where did you stay? Well, so we were in North Chicago. We went to my son's basic training graduation up in Great Lakes. Okay. We But we flew in and out of the Chicago O'Hare Airport. We drove through. We went and had our Chicago deep dish pizza while we were there. Yes. Yeah. I have not gone to Chicago yet. And the reason why is because when it comes to big cities, 
I prefer to go with a, a local. So I want to make sure whoever I'm visiting can really take me to the city. Yeah. Well, that's what happened when Chris and I went to New York City. We went with friends of ours who grew up in Long Island. Like mm-hmm. they grew up on the island and yeah. were able to walk us through and to like show us the places to go. We went on a Sunday, so it wasn't as bustling. Mm-hmm. It, was a little, it was really cold that day also. So, and that was the only way I could get my husband to go. <laughs> There's too much concrete there. He's like, I don't want to go. It's too much concrete. <laughs> but I got him to go, and and uh, we went to the 9/11 memorial, and mm. then we went to Little Italy. Aww. Went to a have amazing, like the best Italian dinner we have ever had. Food there is really good. Yeah. It's really, really good. And even with New York City, like when I meet people and I would say like I'm from New York City and they would say, oh, I've gone. I'm like, oh, okay, where have you gone? They're coming in as tourists. So they'll, oh, this is Times Square. Yeah. Grand Central Station. and Nobody goes there. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you need a real local to take yes. you around. So if I wanted yes. to go to visit you in South Carolina, I'm going to go visit you and you're going to take me around. Yes. Where you know is good to go. We're going to go to our our neighborhood bar where everybody knows our name. Love it's it. It's like Cheers. Like Cheers. It is. We walk in and they're like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> so, okay. So back to the story. So, <laughs> Moran's men were hard at work, presumably, putting together an order of illegal liquor, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when a car rolled up and four men, two dressed as police officer, popped out. Moran was heading to the garage and he saw this car pull up and these people jump out. Mm-hmm. Moran decided to scope it out and he ended up just going to the diner down the block for a cup of coffee. Okay. He felt that there was like a raid going on and he didn't want to be around at the time. He didn't want to be a, a part of it, yeah, sure. Yeah. I'm going to take the uh, coward way out. I'm going to see my way out here. And you know, when you're a boss, you're a boss for a reason. Yeah, the minions can take, you know. The minions can take over, yeah. But Moran's boys, they also thought it was raid. Mm -hmm. So seeing as the the two folk officers had no trouble rounding up the seven armed gangsters and convincing them to line up against the wall, Mm -hmm. which is odd. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about it. They're armed and they're just not pulling their guns out. Nothing. And but I guess when when you think the Chicago PD is coming after you, you comply. Right. Exactly. And also the Chicago PD were working for Capone. And corrupt. I was gonna say corrupt. Yeah. You're very corrupt. You're very. <laughs> yeah. Now, I still think Chicago has a long way to go when it comes to that too. I mean, they still they have a big backstory yeah. of corruption, and I think that is one of the crime chats that I'm gonna hit on eventually, which is the uh, the Smalls case. Well. Uh, next week, I don't want to tease too much, but we're going to talk about some of the police immoralities that might have happened during a specific case. I love in it. In Chicago. We'll talk about that next week. And this is coming from a military sheriff background perspective. Like, this is going to be good. This is going to yes. be good. Okay. Okay. Back to the Roaring Twenties. Back to the story. <laughs> we keep digressing. <laughs> Back to the Twenties. Here we go. <laughs> so according to the Chicago Mag, not a single one of Moran's men reached for their weapon. And that was it. They were in place. The four invaders believed the Capone's men opened fire. Mm-hmm. Witnesses on the street, because remember, this just happened in the middle of the, in the day. Mm-hmm. Witnesses on the street could hear a rapid clack of two Thompson machine guns and a shotgun. Oh, Tommy guns. They had that. ba 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 Tommy guns are one thing, but a shotgun in close range, that's going to do some serious damage. Yeah. Serious. I mean, no one's surviving that. As they tore through Moran's crew and tore them apart, basically. Yeah, literally. Yeah, literally. Although Moran himself escaped the massacre because he decided not to be around during that Mm -hmm. time. 
the incident basically put an end to the mob boss career. So that was not a good career to get into at that time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. You may want to remove that from your resume. It's literally life <laughs> yes, or death. it's literally not a good no. no. But as far as the people that were killed, they were Moran's mm-hmm. men. Believe it or not, one of them... Okay, so they weren't all gangsters, though. Like, one of them was a bookkeeper. Uh, Another one was an optometrist. So it was just a weird combination of people that were involved in this gang. And then one of them was the owner of the garage in which they were uh, packaging this liquor. And a little side note, the only survivor of that day was the garage owner's dog, a shepherd. I know, he survived. Little Fido. Fido. Little Fluffy. So sad. So you think a mass murder as straightforward and deadly as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre is would have led to Al Capone's arrest, right? Right. But the elusive crime boss had an alibi. Because the Chicago PD told him, don't be here. Absolutely. Get the hell out. Yeah. At the time of the shooting, according to the Chicago Mag, Cohen was hanging out at the courthouse in Date County, Florida. He had a house in Miami. Why is Florida always in Florida? <laughs> I'm just saying in general, as a Floridian at this point, can we just sit one out? Can <laughs> no. we just kind of like sit down and say, we don't got to get involved. We don't got to scanny up and like. Next week, there's no Florida what? involvement. Okay, good. <laughs> All roads lead to Florida, whether good or bad. Cat's Road's going to lead to Florida one day, so. The litter box is in Florida, okay? <laughs> the litter box. <laughs> So Capone was on vacation and he traveled down the East Coast to meet with the prosecutor who was investigating the murder of a different crime boss in New York. So he was basically paying him off to do what he needed him to do. Yeah. Yeah. A mob boss is meeting with a prosecutor. I mean, it was just. Oh, Oh, yeah. So Moran knew exactly who had slaughtered his men in a failed attempt to get rid of him. Because remember, Moran did not go. I mean, he was smart enough to not go anywhere near the building at the time. Right when he saw that car pull up. In an interview, the now crewless mob boss had a few choice words for reporters. He said, only Capone kills like that. (laughs) And when Capone was interviewed about the massacre shortly after, he responded with a smug smile on his face Mm. saying, the only man who kills like that is Bugs Moran. And obviously this is a way to taunt him at the time. Yes, yes. We didn't have a phone, so we we read everything in the magazines or the newspapers. Yes. A comment or a statement like that is going to run for 24 hours. Yes, absolutely. That's where people got their communication was through the newspaper. The newspaper is like, that was the time frame where the most, the mass communication happened is was in newspapers. I kind of missed that. Yeah. It would seem that Moran got some revenge when he murdered one of Capone's men, specifically Mm -hmm. one of the men that fired on his crew. So on the brighter side, if there is a brighter side, the guy outlived Capone by a decade. So there's something. So Al Capone was never convicted of the crime. As Chicago Mag explains, the mob boss, Hockeyside, was running unchecked at this point. Capone brags left and right about his airtight alibi. Uh, After all, he was sitting down with the prosecutor. I was in Florida. I was in Florida. Whether or not Capone committed the crime uh, wouldn't matter to the country. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre was crossing the line. 
the law enforcement began to double down and the heyday of the organized crime was over. President Hoover took office less than a month later and after the massacre, one of the first things he did was warn the country about the growing threat of organized crime. Yeah. He needed to make an example of a powerful gangster to get the country back on track and he set his eyes on Capone. Hoover urged the authorities to find the evidence that would link Capone to the slaughter, mm -hmm. but of course they couldn't make anything stick. Nothing. So instead of charging the crime boss for as an accessory to this massacre, Hoover had to find a different right. route. Would eventually be put away in 1931 for tax evasion. In Boardwalk Empire, basically all the money that he was getting coming in getting cuts out of the alcohol that was being sold was never reported mm -hmm. to the IRS so he never claimed it as income well because it wasn't a legal way of making money right <laughs> so they forgave the whole prohibition part of it being illegal income right by the, by the way you never reported it as income he can't well i mean if you're selling crack cocaine you can't report that i mean but technically you can still get arrested on tax evasion <laughs> it's true <laughs> It's like a, it's like an endless circle. What are they called? It's a catch twenty two. It's a catch twenty two. They must have gotten him on something that they that he should have reported on, like maybe how like a house yes. or a car or something or employment or something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes, he should have reported it as something else. So officially, Capone could not be, or he was never linked to the massacre. There are several theories on who may have killed Moran's men, and only one involved Capone. Maybe he's innocent. Maybe he didn't do it. Maybe we're so fixated on him because because we kind of like sensationalized him a little bit. He sensationalized himself. He did. He he yeah. put himself out there saying. Look yeah. at all this that I do. Like he didn't he didn't care to have like to be that quiet person no. in the corner of the room who silently runs mm -hmm. everything. He was very much in front of everything. Legal or not. Yeah. And when you come out in front like that, I think people are less inclined to challenge you because you just took control. Because that's his power move. That's a power move. That's a boss move. Yeah. That's a boss move. That's a crime boss move. That's a crime <laughs> boss move. And you know what's a boss move regardless. You don't have to be committing a crime. <laughs> Do it in your life. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's a good thing occasionally. Power. Um, power. Sometimes. Sometimes. Just don't kill anybody. <laughs> Uh, so we don't, I mean, it's alleged, once again, we don't know if he's innocent or guilty. We're just assuming that he is guilty because all the evidence stays he's guilty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't matter because you know what? Moran's men are still dead. I mean, that day still happened. Moran still lost his organization. Everything. So George Moran died in 1957 at age 63 in uh, Kansas as a broke, penniless yeah. man. Can you, go, can you imagine going from like the top dude to like zero? He must have been so resentful. An angry old man. Angry old man. He should have moved to Florida. <laughs> we got too many of those angry old men. <laughs> Sorry, Florida. Uh, but despite his reputation as a tough guy, Capone had a kinder side, especially when it came to his family. Yes. His son, Albert Sonny Capone, was prone to ear infections as a child, and his father provided the best care for him. From the book Capone, His Life, Legacy, and Legends, author Deidre Bear 
interviewed hundreds of people, including Capone's descendants, to show the complex persona behind the ruthless killer and lawbreaker. This is also the story of a loving son, husband, and father who described himself as a businessman whose job was to serve the people what they wanted. Bear writes in her book that he created a soup kitchen for the poor during the Great Depression, which had the capacity to feed 2,000 mm. to 3,000 daily. And Capone gave money to the widows and orphans. Yes. Which is a beautiful thing. Um, And I relate too much to this story because of Mm -hmm. my background in a big city Mm -hmm. and also my Italian side. This mentality is everywhere. I am related to men who have, not crime bosses, that have this. Are you sure? (laughs) No, I'm not. (laughs) But I'm I'm related to men who have this need to provide and and ease the burden of their their wives or their children and just give them whatever they need and to be the breadwinner, like this urge to be the breadwinner. I don't know. So he offered a doctor 100000 to care for his son's condition at the time. According to the U.S. inflation's calculator, that would be over, that would be $1.5 million in today's money. To give to his doctor to care for his son. Yeah. Yeah. For that one treatment. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. He wrote letters to his son in prison. Eventually, the law caught up to Capone, uh, not for one of his terrible acts as head of the crime family, but for tax evasion, as we know, when he ended up in Alcatraz. Capone sometimes can let things go. For instance, he hired Frank Galluccio, the man who slashed his face, giving him his well-known scars Mm -hmm. and the nickname he hated. Galluccio served as Capone's bodyguard for a whopping $100 a week. Of course, there was something in it for Al Capone, who initially wanted revenge Mm -hmm. according to the daily news at the time capone was not as powerful as he wanted to become i guess he wanted to keep his enemies close your friends close and your enemies closer that's a common theme in the mob (laughs) yeah so capone's imprisonment ended 1939 in time for him to see treatment for syphilis after that he retired to his mansion in palm island florida back to florida until he suffered a stroke and died on January 25th, 1947. So the anniversary, that was two days ago, based on when we're recording. So that was 75 years ago? He died 75 years ago. Yeah. Wow, what a story. Yeah, so that's my story. The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I know, it really has nothing to do with St. Valentine's Day, which is crazy. No, no, but just it it happened. Yeah, nothing to do with the holiday. It's just a massacre that happens. No romance. But it's forever in history as the St. Valentine's Day Massacre. I yeah. Mean, it, I guess if it wasn't intentional, it's still in the history books. Yeah. yeah it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a lost love. Maybe it's a uh, a love for those who don't believe in it. And Valentine's Day? Yeah. I don't know. Well, unless you're in a relationship, why would you believe in it? <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to come up with a with some sort of correlation. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys think? What do you chatters? What do you think out there? Like, what do you think about this uh, St. Valentine's Day massacre? Are there any other theories that you are that you know of that we haven't hit on? What other conclusions or uh, purposes do you think is out there of why this was done? I know. Curious minds want to know. I'm sure there are plenty of theories out there about who else may have done this. It doesn't have to be Capone. No. 
I mean, we just kind of romanticized it because we're just <laughs> humans and we're crazy and we're like that. But other than that, it doesn't have to be him. Yeah, what other theories have you heard about how Moran was uh, once a crime boss rival to going to literally beggar? Started from the bottom, now we're here, and then went back to the bottom. <laughs> Seriously, he did. And he didn't even end up in, he ended up in Kansas. Yeah. Like, did he have family in Kansas? Like, did do I? I'm sure. Something. Are there Irish people in Kansas? I'm sure there are. <laughs> I'm sure there. So we don't want to leave anybody hanging. So for more information on this case, we're gonna have everything on after the crime chat yes. on our Patreon. On Patreon, that you only get all the goods if you subscribe. So in order to see what's coming up. You also need to follow us on all your social media with Crime Chat, Nat and Cat. Just search that. Mm -hmm. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. We'll tease kind of what's coming up, but only on Patreon is where you're going to get all the goods to include some free merchandise, our video episodes. Like our, if you want to see us record our podcast, our full videos are going to be posted there. Mm -hmm. We also will uh, post our references that we use for our stories, pictures, any type of other supporting material. Materials, uh, will only be on our Patreon. Yes. Take a place and come join us for a crime chat. Be sure to check out our next episode. I kind of talked about it a little bit already. We're highlighting another crime and cosmetic segment. We're going to talk about the lipstick killer. I can't wait. This It sounds sexy, so I can't wait. You're going to be blown away. Natalie, you cannot Google this. Don't Google it. Don't Google it. I'm going to tell you the whole story mm -hmm. about the lipstick killer okay. and who may or may not have been the suspect. <gasps> oh, okay. But you don't want to miss it, chatters. We will see you at the next crime chat. Happy Valentine's Happy Day. Valentine's Bye, chatters. Day. Bye.